Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Greg Thompson is our guest. He's the state director of the North Carolina Federation of Independent Businesses. And uh, as we've said several times, this is not necessarily small businesses. This is independent businesses. And, uh, of course, it's affiliated with a national organization that uh, uh, does the same function of providing advocacy and uh, support for independent businesses. And, Greg, uh, you've been with us a number of times. By the way, Greg was elected to General Assembly at age 27 before he uh, decided to uh, go into advocacy work. And so you you know the General Assembly for being inside. You were in the House of Representatives. How many terms did you serve? Five terms. Five terms. So you were there 10 years. Yes. See, see how quick my mind was? <laughs> okay. Well, uh, and you also, uh, during that period of time, you uh, headed the Appropriations Committee. I did. My last term I was a senior appropriation chairman, which was a, a very interesting uh, position to have. Well, one of the things, of course, you're you're uh, obsessed with right now at this given time is the fact that General North Carolina General Assembly is in session. It is passing laws, and we want to talk about the laws that have passed that affect business, and then we want to talk a little bit about the budget and where it is because at the present time it's in a, sort of a state of limbo. But let's talk about just general legislation that is a, that will affect business, and then we'll get to that that may be affected by the budget. One one le- uh, piece of legislation that passed actually last week uh, is the uh, associational health plan, and uh, that uh, legislation will allow uh, uh, businesses who are members of, of associations or organizations to, to band together and and shop for cheaper uh, or and and more uh, insurance. Uh, it's uh, it has been sent to the governor, and uh, there's uh, some question of uh, what's going to happen with it uh, at, the, at this point, uh, but there are numerous uh, business associations uh, in North Carolina that supported that, uh, supported the, the associational health plans. And So basically it, what we're saying here is if, you, if there's five, say, auto body shops uh, in town, they can go together or they can join a state association that provides insurance for body shops and they can get a better rate because there's more people involved. Correct, yeah. and it's, it's a, certainly a way to uh, bring more uh, people into a plan that go out and and shop for yeah. the the, the, the le- le- less expensive rates. I mean, uh, it, the thing that sort of sort of bothers me about that is I thought that's what insurance was all about to begin with. The insurance company did that, but it, in fact, they don't. Right. I mean, they they do give benefits to the larger uh, 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 employee numbers because I mean they can show the reason why, but uh, that benefit is not available for the smaller independent business and total number of employees. That's right. Another piece of legislation that passed uh, is uh, a, a study committee uh, that they have that they're going to create to uh, look at a uh, creating a retirement plan for small businesses, uh, and it's, and it's uh, it's a very specific study committee that they will be able to uh, look at all aspects of of, of small business owners uh, and what they can what can be created to, to pr- provide a retirement plan, whether it's 401k, whether it's a, you know, whatever that they can come, come, to, uh, come together for and, and, and provide that uh, option for small business owners. Well, you know, anytime you can uh, do things as a group is always beneficial because uh, 
uh, you know, it's tough. It's tough running a business. You have uh, the same number of hours that everybody else has, and everything is always tugging at your seams. And of course, most management always ends up in crisis modes most days. They handle the things that have pushed to the top of the desk, at the top of the list, and so things that. Uh, like working out a retirement plan, sort of get pushed off. And you say, well, I'll, I'll think about that tomorrow. I'd like to do it, but i think about it tomorrow. Um, and I think government does kind of the same thing from time to <laughs> I think time. So, so it, uh, that, that's the reason the study commissions are important. Right. You know, one thing people don't understand is how much work is done in between sessions of the General Assembly. You might want to talk about that. Well, in between, uh, there's a, the Legislative uh, Research Commission. Uh, uh, there are numerous study commission bills introduced during the session, and they go through the process and uh, 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 become in law, and, and then they're assigned to the, the LRC. And, and then in between sessions, which, well, if they get out of session and have time between sessions, they uh, they meet. They have a, a appointed group that meets and uh, researches and figures out uh, how best to address different issues. And uh, but and then and, and then the the laws, the bills introduced the next session come from those legislative study commissions. Uh, they're very important. Yeah, and. Uh this is one of the reasons that uh, it's, it's difficult to serve, as you did, from being further away from Raleigh, because this, this stretches your term uh, a great deal. It increases the travel, and, and yet it is a vital part of the overall process. Yes. So, uh, uh, you know, it's, it, it's interesting when you go to the General Assembly building in the so-called non-session times, it's, it's a flurry of activity going on down there. In fact, sometimes you think it's about the same as when it, they're in session. It's not quite that much, but it's pretty much. You know, I, I always said that I thought that it would be a, a, a good idea to use the community college systems and teleconferencing to, yeah. to bring the legislators from around the state together by, at their com- local community college and, yeah. and hold these meetings that way. But that hasn't been done yet. You know, one of the things about teleconferencing that's interesting is it is it is it's it should work better than it does, but it's like distant learning. Most of the uh, teachers have said that distant learning just is not as effective as classroom. Well, it's it, just not. Being in person is much better. Yeah, I mean, doing doing things in person, yeah. side by side, and and you, you know, you can watch people's uh, expressions and body language and everything. It's, I mean, it's yes, I agree with yeah. that. And. Uh, that's one of the reasons that two-way conferencing is a lot better than just watching a conference, right? Because you can see expressions and you can see who's goofing off and who's <laughs> sleeping in the back on the back row, as I did. Uh, I always, there were certain courses. You know, when I was in college, there were certain courses I sat on the first row. Those are the ones that I thought the professor could be impressed by my presence. And there were certain courses where I wanted to sleep on the back row because I wanted to take a little nap. <laughs> and but I rarely sat in the middle. I mean, I was sort of sized up the course right off the bat, and I was either in the first or the back. That's when the professors make a, a, a square or a U-shaped table, no. yes. so you, there's no front or back. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and people going to church do about the same thing. That's You're right. either sitting in the back or the front, and you know that middle is sometimes hard to fill up. Uh, okay, so uh, uh, so we've talked about the study commission on the retirement plan. Anything? Any other study commissions? Uh, no more study commissions pertaining to uh, to the small business sector, um, but some other legislation that uh, that we've been working with is, uh, uh, of course, health insurance uh, issues, and there have been ad- again additional uh, health 
insurance mandates uh, introduced, and uh, we opposed these bills on the premises of it being a mandate. It's very difficult to oppose some of these uh, these issues, but if if every mandate bill is passed, I think North Carolina now has 57 mandated uh, coverages for insurance companies that they have to that they have to pay for. The premiums, I mean, the cost of health care just keeps rising. So, so NFIB uh, continues to oppose uh, insurance mandate, uh, insurance uh, coverage, uh, uh, additional coverages on on the premises of the mandate. One of the it, issues that's always up in, especially in North Carolina, is the issue of Medicaid expansion. Uh, many states have uh, expanded in using a federal program that pays more, and North Carolina has not gone into that program. And there's some logic to both. Both of them apparently have some pretty good logic behind them. Where does uh, your organization stand on that issue, or do you have a position? NFIB has uh, has uh, chosen not to to take a position on the Medicaid expansion. Well, I think, you know, and as it's explained to me, I can understand that because I, I think both sides have some logical, you know, it would look like somebody between the federal government and the state government ought to find a compromise and, and solve those issues that the states that don't have it are concerned about it. In the meantime, uh, continue the program because it, it uh, just from my limited knowledge, it looks like there are some assets and some liabilities to it. So, Okay. Um, Let's see. Uh, so any other legislation that uh, will affect either the members uh, directly as they're running the business or their personal lives? Well, uh, in the budget, there are two, two provisions that, uh, that NFIB is, is very supportive of, and, and that is one, uh, one is the, uh, the reduction of the continued reduction of the personal income tax rate. That always helps small business owners uh, in, uh, uh, in, their, in their business. And then the uh, reduction and then uh, uh, eventual elimination of the of the franchise tax. So we're going to talk about the franchise tax a little later on. The uh, income tax rate has been steadily coming down in North Carolina. Has this been a benefit uh, to encouraging people to move to North Carolina as far as new companies? It, it has helped. It has been one of the one of the tools in the box that has helped encourage uh, businesses to to locate uh, in North Carolina and also for entrepreneurs looking at, at starting businesses uh, and, and looking at their business plan or their business model as, as to how much uh, taxes if they're not incorporating they, and they uh, go through, you know, they run their business through the personal tax, through the personal uh, taxes, that how it I- impacts that. Well, it's, uh, you know, every, of course, interestingly enough, despite the reduction in tax, there's a big surplus in this year's budget. There is there is a big surplus, and uh, there's uh, a lot of you know a lot of questions about uh, the, the tax reform over the last couple of years has created it, it, with the growth in the economy, and uh, th- that has created this surplus. So now, what what what's to be done with that? <laughs> and there's a lot out there, a lot of issues. A lot of, <laughs> Everybody's got an idea. Everybody's got an idea. Everybody's got an idea. When there's a little extra money around, that's a dangerous thing because everybody thinks, well, you told me we couldn't do this because we didn't have the money. Well, it turns out we do. So everybody goes back to the well and says, wait a minute, I want to drink from this water. Uh, Greg Thompson is our guest. He's the state director of the National Federation of Independent Businesses, and we'll be back with more right after these messages. 
This year, the North Carolina Guardian Ad Litem Program is celebrating its 25th anniversary of being a voice for children who are victims of child abuse and neglect. The Guardian Ad Litem Program provides trained, independent advocates to represent abused and neglected children in court proceedings and to help make sure they have a safe, permanent home, what every child needs. Volunteerism is the cornerstone of the Guardian Ad Litem program, and volunteers are needed. If you have just a few hours each month to rise to the challenge and volunteer, please call 1-800-982-4041 or visit ncgal.org. Volunteer for the Guardian Ad Litem program. Be the voice for a child. I'm not staying home tonight. I'm at school all day. If they want me to do the work, give it to me while I'm at school. This guy has me coming to work 10 hours a day. So what if I didn't finish school? That doesn't mean he could work me like a dog. Hey, man, I need a few bucks. My car's busted and I need some cash. Hello? Hello? Every decision you make has a benefit or a consequence. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the United States Air Force. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Greg Thompson is our guest. He's the state director of the National Federation of Independent Businesses. And uh, Greg was born and raised in Charlotte. Well, actually, you were born in Charlotte and raised in the mountains. Correct. And then you served in the General Assembly. What, what district did you serve from? It was uh, the 46th district at that time, uh, Mitchell, Which, Mitchell, Avery, Catawba, Caldwell, and Burke counties. Okay, so that is back up in the mountains. From Hickory to the Tennessee line. Yeah. <clears throat> um, okay, uh, Greg, uh, we've talked about a number of things. One of the things that you brought up during the uh, break was the fact that the franchise tax issue has come back up, and one of the positions that the National Federation of Independent Businesses has taken, is, of course, is that uh, a reduction in this tax is probably a wise thing, especially for businesses. It is, and any time there's a reduction in a in a business tax, it's going to have an impact on 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 our members, on on small businesses, on medium and large size businesses. Yep. So uh, yes, we are supportive of. Now I have limited knowledge, and so this is a dangerous thing. But I, <laughs> I'm going to give you what I think the franchise franchise tax is. But it, but it seems to me that the franchise tax has always been a deterrent to business, and and uh, because it is a tax on the net worth of the company, and so. It would encourage people not to grow in a way because every time you grow, you're paying additional. Well, you grow from income, and you've already paid tax on that. So uh, this tax is in addition to that. So it seemed to me, why don't you just add it to the tax and get rid of the? Uh, because it, it does it does only affect those businesses that are adding to their asset value. If you buy a bunch of equipment, you're going to pay more franchise tax the next year because it's net worth. Now, theoretically, you depreciate that through the – I mean, there's all, all sorts of arguments on this thing, but it just seems like it's there would be a lot easier ways to raise the same amount of money is what I'm saying. Right, and and it, it being tied to the the business's uh, uh, net worth instead of the profit, it, it it's kind of a – a regressive tax. I mean, yes, I think, yeah. uh, and I think that in effect, you know, one of the things that we always try to to look at is that everything good that comes, you know, the word profit has gotten a bad term, but everything good that happens to a business or its employees comes out of profit. If you don't have a margin between what you sell the product or service for and what it costs you, you don't have any options. And profit has somehow in many people's minds gotten to be turned into what is a dividend. In other words, that's what the actual owners actually get. 
But profit is where you, uh, or the margin is where you decide to buy new equipment, to give raises and promotions, expand and so forth. And uh, so anything that encourages uh, additional growth is good for the state. Well, it, you know, every business owner's in in business to make a profit. So, uh, I mean, it's not a bad thing to make a profit. No. Uh, okay, so uh, we, we, we've mentioned the National Federation of Independent Businesses, the organization that you head in North Carolina, but late, we haven't talked about its uh, – it's membership. How many members do you have in this? Uh, we're around 8,000 members, uh, and those members are from sole proprietors to businesses with three and 400 employees. Uh, the, the key is that they are independent business owners, and the, of the 8,000, uh, the average number of employees is six. So we truly represent you know, these small business yeah. owners across the state. Well, most businesses uh, most businesses are small businesses, and uh, but it uh, but the function of your organization is to represent those who are independent or not uh, owned by stockholders right. and, and publicly traded stocks and things of this nature, um, and uh, uh, those people. Uh, Without an organization like this, don't have anyone advocating for their positions. If you don't have an organization like this, um, so uh, tax reform has been going on in North Carolina for some time. And generally speaking, uh, we're getting pretty high marks around the country for the the uh, work that was done. And uh, interestingly enough, it's produced uh, a surplus. the The critics were saying, "Okay, if we don't." If we lower taxes, we're going to have less money, but we've actually ended up with a surplus. Well, with the, the growth of the economy over the last uh, two or three years and, and since the tax reform has passed, it has created a surplus. And uh, as, as, we, as we mentioned, you know, everybody wants to get their hand, in, hand on that surplus, but uh, I think that the, the decision makers need to uh, be careful about how they, how they – uh, uh, the decisions they make on 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 how they use that surplus. Uh, as we all know, last year the hurricane took a billion dollars out of our rainy day fund. Uh, we never know what's going to happen, you know, with that. So uh, while the the tax reforms created the surplus, um, there, there's there, there's a lot of uh, different uses that it, it needs to be looked at to, to, to be used for. There's actually been uh, one proposal to return some money to the taxpayers. What do you think about that? Uh, personally, I, d- I don't know that that uh, is, is probably a good idea. Uh, um, it, it is the, the, the taxpayers' money that has been collected. Uh, it, of course, can be looked at uh, that it should be returned to those who – uh, 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 generated the money and, and, and sent it to the state, uh, but also back to you know what we don't know about it coming up. What could come up yeah. is uh, the the need for that money. Well, you know, every every <coughs> once in a while you see all these dire projections of uh, all the capital improvement projects that are being uh, delayed or put off. And uh, of course, we've talked very often about the fact that North Carolina has a number of counties. Uh, that are actually losing we, the growth. The state as a whole, of course, is growing dramatically, but it's, the growth is all in about 20 counties. So this creates a problem of the other 80 counties. Their tax base is going down. They've got less money, and yet aging infrastructure is going to create a problem for some of these counties that uh, are 
uh, now seeing their tax base go down instead of go up at the time they need the money. So sooner or later, the state's going to have to figure out how, what support they give. Well, the infrastructure is a key thing for the for North Carolina as, as we continue to grow and people continue to move in. And, and while school construction is – uh, a local issue. Uh, these smaller counties, as you just mentioned, are are not able to 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 build these schools. So I mean, there's there's so many things that uh, that it needs to that needs to be looked at as far as how it's spent. Do, uh, of your uh, eight thousand members, is it pretty well balanced percentage wise for every county, or do you have? It, it's uh, probably the, uh, the 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 rural areas. We probably have more members in our rural rural areas than we do the urban yeah. areas. Uh, in the on the on the coast on the in the mountains in the in the uh, the, the sand hills and Piedmont it, it's it's more so uh, more members than we probably have in the the big cities. Now another organization that theoretically uh, well not in theory but it really does advocate for business is the chambers of commerce of the local communities. How do you Correct. work with them? What's it? We we partner with uh, the the state chamber as well as the local chambers. Uh, we have small business roundtables with elected officials around the state and uh, partner with the local chambers uh, to when we have those small business roundtables because we want to include you know their membership and our membership and and give those business owners and those uh, employers a chance to uh, have us you know have a seat at the table when we bring uh, these the, the elected officials in to discuss issues that they they need to hear about and that, that they uh, want to know you know, what position they have on on the issues? We've often talked about how tough it is to start a new business. Uh, are the number of independent businesses actually increasing, or is it uh, staying flat? We have seen uh, that we that there is an inc- a small increase, not a large, but a small increase in the uh, uh, number of, of new businesses being created uh, in the uh, more probably. Uh, in in the urban areas, but you know the tourism tourism is so much so big in North Carolina that uh, there's there there are a lot of small businesses in the in our tour, uh, tourism high uh, areas that uh, where where businesses are being created. Now we have a uh, growing Hispanic population. It's now about ten percent of our whole population in North Carolina. Uh, what is the how is the Hispanic community getting involved in business? And do you have many Hispanic members? Our Hispanic uh, membership is is uh, increasing, and, w- and that is an area that we are are working with, and and our uh, sales uh, salespeople are are certainly uh, working to to increase our membership, and and yes, the the Hispanic community uh, is is opening in in different areas, uh, businesses uh, to. Um, uh, concentrate on on what on their needs and uh so it's uh it's an area that is is growing and one that we are are, are focusing on in the future uh is this a national problem as well because you're associated with other yes. organizations like this in other yes. states and how are other states uh, uh, working on their increase in uh, of attention and focus on the hispanic growth uh <clears throat> excuse me it it uh it depends on the state, uh, of course, and but it is uh, uh, nationally. Uh, NFIB is is looking at how we can engage uh, with the Hispanic community and Hispanic businesses, and 
and be a, a voice for 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 them as well. Of course, this creates all sorts of interesting problems, but not one of which, uh, not the least of which, is the uh, the language barrier. Correct. And uh, this is uh, this is one of the interesting things because you are in a business of communicating, and it's, it, it creates a new new demand on you to have access to uh, people who speak Spanish. That's right, and that is, that is a, uh, a, a an issue. One of the things that always hits the news from time to time is the matter of minimum wage and overtime wages. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of interesting pro and con arguments on this. Uh, one of a good company will tell you that you know the most valuable asset they have is employees, and so they want to pay as high wages they can. On the other hand, uh, there are those who say, well, there ought to be a minimum, and then those people come back and say, well, if there's a minimum, we will probably have fewer employees because we'll have to. We've got the same amount of money that we can spend, so instead of having ten employees, we'll have nine. So where does that stand, and what's going on there? Uh, the minimum wage, the the proposal to increase to fifteen hour, fifteen dollars an hour, is a huge issue for the National Federation of Independent Business, not only on the state level but also on the federal level, and that's one of the issues that uh, during our uh, national, our, our annual fly-in, DC fly-in, that that we uh, all, we all took to our our members of Congress to talk about uh, mandating a minimum wage. At, you know, it's seven twenty-five, I believe now. Uh, but it, it mandating an increase in the in the urban areas in order to get employees, employers are. are Business owners are paying higher than the minimum wage. They have to yep. the competition, yep. and 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 they can do it. You go out into Husky or or Spruce Pine or uh, Little Washington or Murphy, and and they and if if small businesses are are mandated to pay fifteen dollars an hour, it's going to put them out of business. Yep. And and it, actually, there's one business here in in, in Raleigh that uh, they have fifteen employees, and and they they said uh, uh, if 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 they were mandated to pay fifteen dollars an hour, uh, they would line up their fifth, their fifteen employees and and have to pick two of them to to, to yeah. lay off. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it's a huge issue. It's it's not you know that that it, it let the market set set it well, in the in the yeah. in areas. As with almost uh, as with many issues, there's always pros and cons. Sure. And, but basically, I think most uh, progressive businesses understand how important the employees are, so you want to pay as high a wage as you can and still remain profitable and stay in business. It's, uh, I'm sure there are those, a uh, handful, that take advantage of it, but that, that, that happens and that has always happened. And the, and the lack of uh, uh, employees, that's one of the biggest yep. issues right now. You mentioned a few minutes ago that uh, health care was one of the top three issues. What, uh, what's issue number two? Uh, issue number two was the uh, access to capital. Yeah. Um, at, at, it's not as bad now as it has been in the past. It may be coming etch, etch, etching back up to uh, one of those, but uh, ex- access to capital uh, because of the Dodd-Frank bill and, and the regulations that banks have put on businesses and, and, and the availability to, to borrow or, or, or get capital to uh, uh Increase their, I mean, uh, increase their business or uh, hire or or buy more uh, inventory. Um, that was one of the top three uh, issues. Okay, so Greg, as you go back to the office and leave the studios today and go back to the office, what's at the top of your work list for this week and this month? Uh, 
well, let's let's give you six weeks. Let's we're getting <laughs> toward the end of August. Let's let's talk about the next six weeks. What are the things you're going to be focusing on most? Uh, what uh, watching the budget, watching uh, pieces of legislation uh, come up that we that was introduced probably back in January, February, even March that uh, uh, may that we thought was was dead. Uh, that may come back up while they while the legislature legislators are still there uh, they have a lot more time on their hands now and and they're looking at things that uh, uh, have were in the past that may come up now well that's uh, something to keep you busy and I'm glad we'll do that Uh, Greg Thompson thank you for being with us if you'd like more information you can google uh, National Federation of Independent Businesses and get more information about it program has been produced by Jason Kong and he'll have another interesting guest for us again next week on the same group of stations all across North Carolina if you'd like to hear a repeat of the broadcast you can go to carolinanewsmakers.com till next week have a nice week everybody Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.